Hello, and thank you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. The Teaching Math Teaching Podcast is sponsored by the Association of MathMax Teacher Educators, a community of math teacher educators learning to teach math teachers better. I'm your co-host, Joel Amadon, and joining me is Jen Wolf. Hey, Jen, how are you? Hey, good. Good. Good to be here. And Dusty Jones. Dusty, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, Happy New Year, 2023. Yes, happy New Year. Yeah. So today we are talking with Joshua Thurby, who is a senior program officer of teacher development and academy instructor at Knowles Teacher Initiative, which is a nonprofit organization that supports a national network of mathematics and science teachers who are collaborative, innovative leaders, improving education for all students in the United States. We are talking to Josh because of his unique position as a teacher of early career in-service math teachers across the country and to share the opportunities available through the Knowles Teacher Initiative. Welcome, Josh. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm great. This is so exciting for me. And um, yeah, I'm glad to be able to talk about math with some nice people. Nice. Nice. So, John, <laughs> hey, I know that uh, introduction doesn't capture you as a math teacher educator or just as a person. So can you take a minute to introduce yourself beyond what I already shared? What did I miss? Um, you missed that, like you. I have a face for podcasting, um, and <laughs> I, I um, yeah, I was a high school math teacher for 13 years. I was a math department chair for like five of those years, and then um, I also have been teaching math methods for I don't know, like 10 years. Um, so there is that part of me, and. On top of the work I do at Knowles, that's my day job. I do still teach math methods at night. Um, so I still have my foot in that world as well. And yeah, um, I think that's the most of it. Yeah. Okay. So I guess then let's go right in there. So how did you start teaching math teachers? Yeah. Um, this is a great long story. So I'll try and condense it. So I went to uh, teacher's college um, and I knew I wanted to be a teacher and specifically I wanted to be a high school physics teacher. Wow. And, um, you know, you have to take quite a few math classes for that. And so my advisor said, you know, you if you just take math methods, you can get like a double major, double certification, double everything with just like one more course. And you'll be really marketable for schools. Um, and so I I had no intention of teaching math, but I was like, yeah, I'll do one more course and just for this reason. And literally, like the first day of my math methods course, I was just like, oh my God, I love this. Wow. And I like love she that instructor just like transformed my view of mathematics, my relationship with mathematics. Um, it will, yeah, truly transformative experience. And so <laughs> then I was like, okay, I don't want to teach physics anymore. Like this, everything is changing right now. And so, um, and because I was doing this double certification, my student teaching had to be in math and science. And mm -hmm. so it was night, you know, right away I was, yeah, the more I got into it, the more I just really loved teaching math. And I loved what that instructor did for me as a person. Like it really changed my outlook on math and my relationship with math. And 
that, yeah, made me want to teach high school students for sure. And it, I was like, wow, I really want to pay this forward. You have transformed my thinking. And I would love to be able to help others experience that in the way that she helped me experience that. And so right away, I was like, okay, this, obviously, I'm not going to do that anytime soon. But one day, I would love to work either like in the role that she had, or just with beginning teachers. And I think as I like, started teaching, I realized how difficult teaching was. <laughs> I don't think people know it. It's really tough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's a big secret. People don't yeah. tell. Um, and so I was like, yeah, you know, like beginning teachers need a ton of support. And the support that I was getting as a beginning teacher wasn't the support I really needed. And so this, I, I knew I wanted to be in this realm of either teaching um, grad school or, you know, at the university level or working with beginning teachers. And so Thankfully, I had really um, wonderful mentors along the way that just helped me get in that direction. And um, yeah, I, my last teaching job at the interview with the principal, she said, you know, like, where, it was the interview to teach at this high school. And she said, where do you see yourself in five years? And I had said, you know, I would love to like work with beginning teachers or teach teachers or something. And I actually didn't want the job. Um, it was like a friend of a friend of a friend. It was like, you need to interview for this position. And, um, so she said, okay, like if you commit to working here for five years, I commit to getting you that job. Wow. And, um, she did. And so, yeah. uh, yeah, then I worked at the university of Chicago's urban teacher education program and, um, taught methods there and taught a course, um, identity and how teacher and student identity impacts, um, math education. And, um, and it was through that work that I like got connected with the Knowles teacher initiative. And, um, that program was eventually shut down just because math education, you know, was, is on a decline. And so I moved over to Knowles full time and then moved out East. Um, and so now I live, um, near Philadelphia and then, I, once I moved out here, I got connected with the University of Pennsylvania. And so now I teach in their independent school teacher residency program. Wow. Nice. I can't, huh. I can't, uh, with your story, I can't help but ask, do you remember anything that that methods instructor did on that first day? Do you remember anything that, that, that I mean, cause you said on the first day, like, yeah, yeah. Chain, do you remember? And anything? I do it. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like literally how I teach my methods class and hopefully None of my students will listen to this. They don't do my work anyway. Um, so one of the things she did, like on day, I, I remember exactly. And I remember who I was paired with. I remember. So she just said um, on the first day, you know, we're all math. We all had, you know, rich math backgrounds. So like the math part wasn't the difficult part, obviously. And so she said, yeah, just partner up with somebody. And um just explain really briefly why when dividing um, by fractions, you flip and multiply. Why does that work? You have five minutes and then just, just share with the class your thoughts. <laughs> um, and my partner, Rachel Prokop, was also doing the same thing I was, physics and math double. So we were 
So I had all my classes with Rachel. We knew each other really well. And we just stared at each other and we were like, we have no idea. Like, I can't explain this. And then the second class, she had us explain why a negative times a negative was a positive. <laughs> and we were just like, what? <laughs> we can't. And literally, um, I do that with my methods now. And it's just such a transformative experience, again, of like, I know this subject really well, and I can't explain one of the simplest things. And like that disconnect, and then the like, the anxiety, the all the emotions that come with, I'm supposed to be an expert at mm. this, and I don't know this thing. And, um, you know, just to really quickly put us in the shoes of our students. And yeah, she and she did it in such a safe, loving, wonderful, yeah, like I felt so comfortable to fail in her class and to ask questions and to make sense of things in a way that I never felt safe in a math class prior to that, which is just so sad. Right. And so, mm. um, yeah, I do the same experience with my methods students and I have them, um, you didn't ask for this, but I'm answering it. I have them write about like, when was their first experience in math class where they felt you know, like smart and then uh, where they had like a really high status and um, yeah, when they felt the most comfortable. And like I said, I've been teaching methods for like 10 years and every single response has always been somewhere in college or in grad school where that's happened for them. Not a single person ever says high school wow. or God forbid elementary or middle school. And so, um, and so that's how we kind of start and we talk about like, yeah, we all like math enough that we're committing to it for our career. And yet not a single one of us experienced like a level of success or comfort or like smartness until college. And I'm sure our peers in high school thought we were smart at math or thought we had confidence in math, but um, we were all like really insecure about it. And so yeah, she just really, and she did all of that in a very, like, loving, humanizing, caring way. So it was that combo. Um, I obviously don't do the loving, caring part in my methods class. I threw that way out the window. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so that's what I wanted to do, was I wanted to embody this idea of, like, how can you create situations where um, yeah, math teachers can fail and question safely and still feel you know cared for and smart and capable um in a way that she helped me do that yeah that's beautiful thanks for sharing because i think one of the things that we like this podcast for is like the folks that are first stepping into that teaching of math teachers and like how do you yeah how do you like it's almost like give them that cognitive shove in a loving way so that you know you yeah. put in a position of their students but then all at the same time still you know embrace like hey this is the role that i'm i'm taking on and how do i um you know take all that <laughs> all that's coming with that role yeah. yeah what is the best advice you received when you started teaching math teachers you talked about having some good mentors so what, what was some of the, the the good stuff yeah that meant so my um that principal barb crock um was also a math educator and um I mean, this sounds really cliche and obvious, but, you know, her, she always felt, you know, she was a principal, so she always felt like every staff meeting should be, like, 
the best professional development and like her, she should model teaching practices. She should model a humanizing classroom. She should model like all these things. We know all of these things. Yeah. And yet, um, I don't think we, ex- even though we know these things, we don't often experience them. And, um, and so it was just really drilled into me that like, if I'm going to do this, my classroom with adults needs to be as thoughtful and as caring, as humanizing, as inspiring, as all the effort I put into teaching children, you know, and that I need to really model all of those things a hundred percent of the time. And, um, and again, that just sounds really obvious (laughs) and yet it's not a common experience. And for sure, I don't do it successfully all the time. Um, but yeah, that's, and so I, you know, we, um, at Knowles, we work with beginning teachers and I get to work with our first year fellows. So they're generally in their first or second year of teaching. And, um, so we do, they're like a cohort. There's around 30 of them and, um, they meet with each other about three times a year in person. And then they work virtually the rest of the year. And so we have to like really quickly get them to, you know, be a cohort, be a community. And so we do a lot of activities you would do in a high school classroom of like getting to know people and like sharing about yourselves and telling stories and that sort of stuff. And so I tend to do a lot of like artsy craftsy type things that help us share identity and personal stories. And, um, and again, what this mentor taught me, um, and then I keep them all. And then every time we meet, and we meet in hotels, you know, we meet in different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll be in a hotel in Phoenix, a hotel in Philadelphia, whatever. And those spaces are just, um, they don't really feel like a classroom. <laughs> and so then I like keep all these, like, you know, like the fellows worked on these drawings and you know, little activities. And I always like put them up in the room before the fellows get there to be like, oh, man, you know, these are like your handprints. These are your, you know childhood memories these are your and um and it's always you know we just had a meeting a few months ago and i was in the room early obviously setting everything up and a fellow walked in and again these are like adults and they're just like you kept it and you hung it (laughs) up you know and they're just like ah i'm like of course you would do this for your kids like of course but it's just not um yeah, it seems so obvious, and yet it's just not common. Yeah. So I try really hard to make it common in my practice. All right. So that's something you took from somebody else. So, like, what advice would you give to that uh, that new teacher of math teachers? And so you can go you can say the same thing, but you could. I would say, what, what else would you say? Share. Yeah, I think that. Um, my advice, I don't know. I feel like I give this, I am for sure still learning from them in ways that like, I am an expert. I've done this a long time. I've experienced things over and over and over again that they're experiencing maybe once or twice. So for sure, I have an expert status and I get that. And there's a lot of value to that. And I need to be firmly in a learner's stance whenever I'm with my students. And 
Um, and I need to position them in ways where they know that for sure, you know? And so I try really, really hard to balance that. Like I'm an expert and you should listen and I'm humble and learning. And you can imagine it must be hard for me to be humble. Um, <laughs> but I try, I try, you know? So yeah, I think it's balancing that like expert humility thing yeah. and, um, and making that like apparent to the teachers that I'm working with, because in, you know, in their classrooms, they also are this like expert in some ways. And they really need to have this humility of like, um, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. We do one of the things we do in my methods class and we do it at Knowles is like math critical incidents where um, fellows bring in like, what's a math question that a student asked you where you just didn't know the answer, kind of like a fraction divided by a fraction. And, um, and then they, you know, they present it to the class and then we all kind of wrestle with it. And then we try and come to our consensus and like, what would we do and how would we do this? And, and then they like get to report back like, Hey, I tried this thing and a, I think, you know, we learn a lot about math by engaging in that. And we learn a lot about just humility and empathy with our students that like, mm -hmm. it's okay to tell your students, I don't know how to answer that question for you right now. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm so glad you asked it. And I'm so glad we're both learning this right now. And like, I'm going to talk to the people I know that are going to help me. And then I'm going to talk to you all. Um, yeah, so that balance. Yeah, just like you're honoring their artwork, you're honoring their question and honoring their uh, the, the student's ability to bring questions that you know are challenging you. And like, hey, that's <laughs> like we're all yeah. we're all going to learn here. This is great. Yeah, yeah. and that there's so many sim you know seemingly simple questions again, like the dividing a fraction by a fraction, where a teacher is supposed to know the answer and to be able to admit as a teacher, as the one with the most status in the room, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, or this is confusing me. Or um, I haven't thought about things like that before. Like, yeah, I just, if a teacher had said that to me, <laughs> it would have been real nice. And yeah. I maybe would have had a different confidence level in that. Yeah. yeah, and those types of experiences, I think, you know, the, the teacher might find out there's there's more than one way to even to do that. So even if, even if I know, um, because I was asked, you know, for a master's comprehensive exam, why is a fraction divided by a fraction? Why do we do this algorithm? Yeah. You know, later on I learned, Oh, what? There's, there's like three or four different reasonable right. ways to make this make sense to somebody. Um, and I guess, Josh, I just want to ask if it goes up a level. So when you're meeting with other uh, people in your role, do you bring to each other? Here's something that a uh, a a income a new teacher asked me that I don't know right. what to do. It's so. funny you think I wouldn't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just testing the humility level here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Thankfully, like my day job at Knowles, um, that is like a hundred percent of our yeah. So that I do. I'm very grateful that working at Knowles is a, a space where that's just super common mm -hmm. where, you know, it's just, um, so yeah, absolutely. But it's, a, and I think the nice thing about 
our fellows in the fellowship at Mills Teacher Initiative is that they have each other too. So there's so many times, mm-hmm. again, I work with the first year fellows. And so they are, we have a curriculum that we're taking the teachers through that as a first year teacher, you might think, what I need to know right now is classroom management, how to teach tomorrow's lesson, and, you know, how to grade all these papers in time. Um, whereas we're taking a different perspective of like, yeah, we want you to be a teacher leader. We want you to develop these skills of inquiring into your practice. Those are all really great questions. We're not going to help you with any of those. We're going to look at this other thing. So it's nice to have them in a cohort where they, you know, they do ask me so many questions of like the student said this thing or the student did this thing. Um, and that we're in a community to be able to say, like, yeah, there's a bunch of, I'm, I don't have the answer to that. Like, we can all talk about that. Um, so, yeah, I am really grateful that that is uh, definitely built into the work at Knowles. Yeah, that's great. And the way that uh, you were talking about your methods and the thoughtfulness, I just, I couldn't help but think, like, well, Jen has that same level of, uh, you know, like the thoughtfulness and, and thinking about bringing, you know, whole self into methods class. I don't know. Jen, did, was any of that re- reminiscing or not re- like uh, ringing true? Yeah. It just uh, made me think about like, um, Josh, when you brought up that you, it's very humbling. Right. And I think that when you can move toward, that direction there's so much you can learn from your students right and I think if people would take more the perspective of like we you know say teachers are lifelong learners right but what does that mean you know like we say what does that sound like what does it look like and I think if you are very genuine in um, the way that when students do say things how you're very explicit about how that taught you something yeah, You know, like when they share stuff and you're very explicit about the, you know, like even you say, I don't know, or like, that's a really good question. And those kinds of feedback, then they feel genuine to be, <clears throat> they feel they can be genuine and uh, feel like they can share their ideas and not have it judged in a way that changes that status in the classroom, right? In ways that, you know, really separate out. Yeah. And it's such a human experience to not know what you're doing, to have a bunch mm-hmm. of questions and to feel insecure. And so it's just, yeah, human. And then to be in this like false environment where like you're supposed to pretend you know what you're doing and pretend you're not experiencing any of these human qualities. This is just so false. And so like just pulling the veil back and saying like, no, 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 no. Like we're going to lean really into empathy and the human experience. And yeah, one of my favorite things that I do, I can go on and on about my favorite things about myself. Um, one of my favorite things I do in my methods course is um, my late policy. All of my methods teachers are currently teaching and they're like already in there. My late policy is whatever their late policy is for their students. So anytime a teacher like or one of my students comes to me and says like, well, I'm not going to finish this project on time. I'm like, all right, just show me your late policy and that's going to be applied to you. And that's wow. I like Fine. that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I've changed 100% of my students' sleep policy. <laughs> I instituted this policy. And 
and it's just teaching empathy that like, I don't, you know, of course we all mess up and of course we need grace. And, um, and what I learned from another methods instructor in the program, one of her policies is you, every student has to request at least one extension on an assignment. And I just love that. Like that there's this mm-hmm. expectation that of course my timeline isn't going to work for all of you. So let's negotiate timelines together. That's how people operate. I think that's so powerful um, because too, then you can have conversations about if this is your late policy, can you get into conversations about like, why is that your late policy? Mm. What's, what's under underneath why you've decided that this is this particular way of doing it. Did you come up with that policy in community with your students or not? Is this policy one that's of compliance or is it about learning? Mm. And so then you can kind of, start to go down that, I guess, rabbit hole of kind of unearthing why is it that we have all these different policies and um, who does it benefit and who does it not, and, right? Who does it include? Who does it exclude, right? And does it, what does it reflect about our philosophy of learning? Do we think learning happens on a rigid timeline, you know, or not? And I do share with them that, like, there are reasons we have two dates. Some of, like, I do need you to read some things before class discussion. I get you may not read it, which means the discussion might land differently for you. And I do like to grade all the projects at the same time. <laughs> so if you turn yours in late, I might not grade it for a while. Like there, So like this, again, this negotiation about like, we are humans engaging in a human experience and we need to like be in discussion of these things. And, it's not just like I set the rules or you set the rules. It's like we're together in this. It's like discussion and transparency is there, right? It's not just mm-hmm. like you said, it's not there just to be there. But let me explain my reasonings and then we can have a discussion about those reasonings, right? And then we can come to maybe a shared understanding in moving forward. Yeah. So, Josh, how do you set? You, you talked about, well, first let's set the state. You talked about your, your role at Knowles, and we're going to get more into Knowles in a, in a sec and dive a little bit more into that, but also your role as a uh, methods instructor as well. So how do you set boundaries and priorities to get the right things done and still enjoy your life? Um, I mean, I'm not sure I'm doing that great, but I will share an anecdote. Um we are like trying this thing at work, you know, where we give each other feedback instead of like getting feedback from like your manager. Mm -hmm. And so we like shared in like a public staff meeting, um, like who are you getting feed? Who have you chosen as your feedback partner and why? And the person that, again, this was like shared publicly. The person that chose me was like, why I'm choosing Josh because I want feedback on how to have a really good work life balance. He just seems to really good balance of that and it just came across this like Josh doesn't work so much but he, he's really enjoying life um, so yeah I think like Jen going back to your point like I do share with my students with the Knowles fellows with my coworkers. I am a human my purpose in the world is um, to like have a really great human experience and my job allows me to do that. You know, 
I love my job. I am inspired by my job and it pays the bills and it helps me live my life. And so I think like also having that perspective and like sharing with my students and my coworkers and those like, um, yeah, like this is going to work for all of us. There needs to be these clear boundaries and, um, I'm, I know what my boundaries are. And so I'm going to be transparent about those. Like, so the grading thing is like an example where I've shared and that like, I hope that then my teachers see I'm setting these really clear boundaries because that makes my work easier so that I can live my life and that they can adopt some of those things too. Like I can be transparent to them that, Hey, if you're turning in your project late, it really just doesn't become a priority. Like if it was when I'm grading them all at the same time, that's really helpful. Obviously, you know, like I can, there's a lot of things and themes that I can talk about. Um, yeah, so I think, again, just being very transparent that I am a human in all of this, and um, I want to experience life just like they do. Mm-hmm. And this is just one part of my life. Nice. Nice. Um, I have yet to, I'm, I'm not executing that well, <laughs> but that is my philosophy. Well, I mean... I, I think, you know, especially now we're seeing, you know, if, if we're have that mind, if we can have that mindset successfully, then, you know, people are going to be engaged in their jobs longer, <laughs> you know, like that's right. the job yeah. that they love versus like it's, it's overwhelming them. And then that love kind of moves away um, or gets overwhelmed. Right. Uh, so Josh, you talked about it a, a few times, but let's just dive into it. So describe the work of the Knowles, teacher initiative i mean we already listed Mm. your title but you talked about your role and working with the first year teachers but and um and then let's get into some opportunities that might exist for some of our listeners and those they teach yeah um so the Knowles teacher initiative our um mission is to transform math and science education in the u.s easy breezy (laughs) um and so our strategy is to find beginning teachers that have the potential to develop as strong, sustaining teacher leaders in the classroom. We believe that teachers are the primary agents of educational improvement. If things are going to change in our education system, it needs to come from teachers. And we need to position teachers to do that. And um, so, yeah, we have cohorts of around 30-ish teachers from across the country. And they are in the fellowship for five years. We take them through a curriculum that basically, like in the beginning part, focuses on just being like a really good, strong content teacher um, that's able to... Um, inquire into their own practice. So learning about teacher inquiry, learning about, yeah, just being a great content teacher and really meeting the needs of all of your students. Uh, And then from there, we transition that into, so now how do you bring more teachers on board and do this in a way that's collaborative um, and you're no longer just focusing on your classroom, but whatever context you're in. 
Um, and so you're just kind of broadening that circle of influence. And um, so I, I work with teachers in the first three years of the fellowship. And then specifically, I really focus in on year one of the fellowship. And um, so like my day job gets to be, you know, writing our curriculum, facilitating professional development for our teachers. Um, we give every fellow $9,000 a year that they can use to write grants, which we fund. And so um, we can't possibly meet the needs of all of these teachers all across the country. So if a teacher really wants to learn something that we just can't address in the fellowship, they have money that they could write a grant to go learn. You know, they could go to NCTM, they could go to some language immersion they could you know they have lots of options or they could write a grant for materials in their classroom um they could take half of the money as a stipend over the summer so that they don't have to get a second job so they can really just focus on their teaching so we really do want to just surround these beginning teachers with a ton of support that just accelerates their development um and enables them to support others in their context and um yeah, and I get to work with those teachers one-on-one. Um, they can get coaching from me, from other fellows. They, Yeah, I wish I had this when I was a beginning teacher. Yeah. And so, right? so, <laughs> and so the fellows that, and I, we just talked about applications just closed, but this is something that can happen next year, is and, um, that if it's for anyone that's currently student teaching or in their first year of teaching that can apply. Is that, is that still the case? Yeah. And even in their, uh, yes, yes, that's the case. Yeah. So student teaching for sure. So last year of a program or in their first year in their position, um, and can apply and be a part of that, uh, selection, uh, apply and be a part of the selection process to become an, a fellow. Um, Anything else? And I know, I know Noel does some other like professional development. Yeah. So um, what we discovered is that the fellowship experience is phenomenal. Who knew? And um, a lot of teachers that are veteran teachers that aren't beginning teachers really wanted to experience what fellows got to experience in the fellowship. And so when our fellows like graduate the fellowship, they become senior fellows. And we developed a senior fellow program where our senior fellows are teaching what we call academy courses, which are basically parts of the fellowship um, that teachers, our senior fellows who are teachers, are teaching other teachers. So um, this way, any teacher can get access to what our fellows are getting just in terms of curriculum. And we offer a bunch of them for free. Um, there's online courses that any teacher can take for free. Um, and then we offer in-person courses generally over the summer, obviously. Um, so yeah, we have the Knowles Academy. We have our own um, Knowles publication called Kaleidoscope, um, which again is all teacher run. It's teacher voices. Yeah, so our big philosophy is Teachers need to be at the center. So, yeah, we have our teachers teaching academy courses. We have our teachers writing this um, kaleidoscope journal. We, so teachers are at the center. And 
um, yeah, and there's a lot of opportunity to be able to get involved, even if you're not a beginning teacher. Nice. Nice. Jen, Dusty, did you all have any, any other questions for Josh or about Knowles or? Josh, are there any um, tips or advice that you would give to potential applicants that Ooh, you're like, you know, these one. here's some things to think about or do um, in preparation for submitting an application that you're like, this is just something you want to consider for a successful application? Yeah, I mean, that's great. We really are wanting um, teachers, quite honestly, to be just honest and transparent about their teaching practice and like where I think the um, roadblock or the stumbling block that many applicants fall into is I think they want to hear this. I think they want this jargon. I think they want this to hear about this strategy. Um, and really, we just want, you know, teachers who are committed to the profession that want to become teacher leaders and lead from, lead from the classroom and are working towards that in their own practice and um, that are humble, are willing to learn, willing to collaborate, and um, yeah, are really committed to their students and the profession. Easy. That's great. Easy. <laughs> yeah, it's super easy. Yeah, super easy. <laughs> so, Joel, you had said that um, applications just closed. Josh, can you can you tell us like when the next round is coming around that we can advertise this to uh, to others who might be interested? Yeah, so we don't have a, did just close for this upcoming cohort. So the new application will open somewhere around June. Um, and we have a website, knowlsteachers.org. And for anyone that's interested, they can go there and just say, hey, I'm interested in the application when it opens. And we'll email them and get them all up to speed. Nice. And we will put that link in the show notes. Yeah, I have I have a few people I'm thinking I need to let them know about this opportunity because I think uh, Joel this, and Jen, this goes back to the shoulder tapping we were talking about. Yeah, you know, somebody might not realize they they have what it takes, uh, but we think they do, so we let them know. Well, that's why I just wanted yeah. to make sure that, like, you know, I have this conversation because I think it's a. I mean, I've gotten a chance to see it from a. a a fellow at my own institution and seeing the kind of support and that they got in the classroom and then how they flourished with it. And so it was no, just want to make sure everyone knows about this opportunity. So we can get as many folks as possible to put their applications in. So y'all can pick a, a great crop every year. So. Yeah. Anything, yeah. Anything? And they really are like the teachers we get to work with are incredible. And um, I am, one small part of that really incredible process. Yeah. Josh, you have anything else to promote? Anything else you want to share? Um, no, I, don't, I think, yeah, the big things are um, the Knowles Academy, that which is open to any teacher. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and our kaleidoscope, our journal. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing. We appreciate it. Yeah. 
Thank you. And thanks again for setting the bar so low. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> By inviting me on. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> oh, no, but one. seriously, this is amazing. Thank awesome. you so much. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks to Josh. And then thanks again to all of you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. We hope that you're able to take action on something you just heard. And there's lots of links and things, so th links in the show notes that'll be there. And interact with other math teacher educators. Also, did you know that AMTE has another podcast, the Math Teacher Educator Podcast? The MTE Podcast accompanies the latest edition of the Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal and has authors discuss the work they have submitted for publication to the journal. Find a link to the MTE podcast in the show notes for this episode.